cliffcentral.com. It is a Thursday morning on cliffcentral.com. That is our opportunity to catch up on all the things that are going on in the news. And this morning is no exception to that. We're going to do so with Nando's, who bring you the burning platform every single Thursday at 7 o'clock. We get to talk for between half an, hour and half an hour and an hour about all the most important things that are happening not only in South Africa but in the world that have to do with society, with the economy, with politics, and so on. And this morning, as always, I'm joined by Pumi Mashiko. Hey, Pums, who is ready to go with the burning platform this morning. She's always got lots to say and lots to think about and lots to give us to think about. And we're also joined this morning... And we are also joined this morning by Ibrahim Harvey, who is um, the author of a book. He, first of all, has uh, an interesting history. He's a former Kasatu trade unionist, uh, a political writer, an analyst and commentator over two decades. He's a former columnist for the Mail and Guardian, and his biography of former president and deputy president, Hanema Motlante, was published in 2012. His new book is called... The Great Pretenders, Race and Class Under the ANC's Rule. That's Ibrahim's new book, and you can get it at good bookstores. Now, Ibrahim, nice to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's nice to see you. So, first of all, how's the book doing? And tell us what the book's about so we can uh, we can all get excited about that, and hopefully some people will go out and, and buy it and take a look. I think there's so much fascination with the ANC at the moment. Um, what what made you write this book? And tell us what it's uh, what the thrust of it is. Yeah, um, you know, I think for for about two decades, uh, late two thousand, uh, late nineteen nineties, actually, mm-hmm. um, as I said at the launch, when the effects of the macroeconomic uh, neoliberal policy of Gear of nineteen ninety six June took effect, and uh, you know there were a lot of retrenchments, and uh, the public sector uh, provision of basic services was seriously affected. You see, this country's demographics, you know, with the overwhelming black majority and more specifically so-called African majority, those, uh, given the historical links between race and class, the effects of gay and all the neoliberal policies the ANC had since 1994 was bound to affect the majority black working class, which is ironically the very historical support base of the ANC. Since the 1950s in particular, the support base of the ANC has been rooted in the black townships. Those were the people who stood loyally behind the ANC during all the tough years, exile, and everything that happened to the ANC. So after 1994, legitimately and naturally, that constituency expected, after over three centuries of oppression, exploitation in one form or another, white supremacy, that at least their basic needs would be attended to. And as I've demonstrated in this uh, book, and in both my master's and PhD, people forget I've studied this area, well, particularly Johannesburg, you know, dealing with water, sanitation, and basic services. It's ironical, deeply so, that you go and walk in the townships today and see what has happened <laughs> under ANC rule. Well, no no doubt COVID has exacerbated the existing, you know, historically rooted divisions of race, class, and gender. But it's a shocking shame. I mean, uh, you know, sewerage running down the roads. I mean, local government, particularly now, after COVID, has collapsed, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a mess. The SOEs, everything, Cliff, you know, is no exaggeration. And I would yeah. debate this with anybody that certainly in post-apartheid South Africa, if not historically, and even during the apartheid era, never have you had a crisis as multifaceted and deep and negatively affecting especially the black working class as is currently the case. So this book has been long in the making. But uh, I, in fact, wanted to do it before the Halema Maklanti biography, but when that opportunity arose, I took it. But while doing his biography, I became interested in this kind of book, you know, uh, which which explored historically. I must emphasize the importance. And historians told me that, you know, continuously when I interviewed them, they said, and I cite them, you know, that the problem with South Africa partly is the lack of knowledge of our history. Yeah. You know, and uh, so that is why, I mean, you go onto uh, social media. It's abysmal. Let me be very frank with you. The <laughs> lack of knowledge and understanding of race yep. and racism. Let me, I've been pieces where I've talked about the emergence of a new black racism column in the Mail and Guardian. I've dealt with this for two decades. 
There is racialism and racism by black people on social media every day. Because you know why? They don't understand the theory and what where, how race is defined and racialism and racism. They don't understand. So there's a lot of emotional venting of yeah. spleen or, or social well, media. I mean, you know, and, uh, Ibrahim, it's we, partly we... why I felt I needed to sketch this thing historically, Cliff, to go back to the mm. origins of race and, and to deal with it as thoroughly as possible. I mean, Jessica Duarte has said that she she's wants to promote this book, uh, that she's going to, that educational institutions, including the Oliver Tambo School, should use it as a research uh, source, you know. You know, it's, and I was happy to hear that. You know, it, it, that's 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 good news. Listen, I think the ANC could do with any any help it can get from pretty much anywhere at the moment. She was actually abused racially and in terms of her gender this week when uh, oh, when when, 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 yeah. when supporters of Ace Machashules said that um, you know that they weren't going to 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 follow through with the the ANC's decision to essentially suspend him. Yes, yes. Um, so yes. so it's not it's no surprise that she's also dealing with with a lot of this herself. But I want to give. Uh, put me a chance quickly. It's been a hell of a week. This is probably one of the worst weeks in ANC history for a long, long time. And there are, there are so many uh, horrible weeks to choose from. So we've, we've finally seen the, the, the argument between the two factions come to a head, Pums. And, you know, you've been predicting this for a long time. Um, Ace's people are now definitely the ones who, who are looking the worst for wear. But it's by no means over, right? Not by a long shot, but more importantly, will there be an apology coming from Hayes? And will the apology remind us of Baba's famous apology, the quote that I should apologize? Mm. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a bloodbath for a while. But I've I've been thinking a lot about our conversation even last week about what this is doing for the electoral prospects of the ANC, like. All we see on the news is ANC, left, right, and center. We don't hear anything about any of the other guys. Mm-hmm. And I think top of mind is going to be the ANC. They're going to come out winners on this, hey? You think they'll come out well? Just because, just they're because they come out on top. Just because they're getting attention. You don't think it, it matters whether because it's, it's got, negative or positive. They've got share of voice. They've got share of voice. And what it looks like is it looks like Cyril is doing something. It looks like Cyril is fighting the good fight. That's all you hear. Cyril's fighting the ah, good fight. So, so, I mean, winning the fight. You, is, you d- just, you know? to, just to be clear, because I don't know whether Ibrahim's heard your thoughts on this before, but Pumi is by no means a fan of Cyril's. But, but what you're saying, Pumi, is the perception, <laughs> the perception is that it, it, he's doing something finally and that this will end up hmm. uh, making it look like they're moving in the right direction. Ibrahim, you were nodding your head vigorously in the opposite direction. You're saying, <laughs> you're saying no. No, I think there's a, it's a fundamentally mistaken analysis. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, no, no, I think you're confusing things here. So also uh, dealing with, uh, yes, uh, you know, uh, we should salute his efforts in regard to the, uh, because corruption has become such a, a huge problem, and he's certainly and sincerely making efforts in that regard and, and, and trying to bring along other players. So it's a concerted, genuine attempt. But the crisis is multifaceted. That's the perhaps even relatively the easier thing to do, as deep as corruption is. The socioeconomic crisis, believe me, is ultimately far bigger in magnitude than is the political crisis uh, engulfing the ANC at this moment. Now, the one mistake that is made is to say that all this is going to help the ANC the upcoming elections. To the contrary. To the country, never before, whether you're talking of local government elections or national elections, has an election been preceded by such overwhelming anti-ANC publicists. Go into the townships, go onto social media. People who are fervent supporters of the ANC. I mean, people have become so, I mean, disenchanted with ANC rule and they're expressing it on every conceivable platform. So where you get the understanding from that what the ANC is going through now is going to help it at the polls? No. I foresee so the worst local government election results. Let me make it clear now in this year. You will see it for yourself. It will I be think the there worst be results the ANC ever happened. That is without a doubt that it will be the worst results that the ANC has seen. However, the DA is not going to win. 
that you know, EFF is not going to matter. win from this. That's the EFF is not going to win from this. I, I, and I agree with you that the socioeconomic yeah. situation of the people on the ground is, is very bad and they see it and attribute it to the ANC. So, However, when it comes to the poll, when people walk into that voting booth, they only have so many options. They only have yeah, so but, many but, options. But here's and of the options that they have, the top of mind option is the ANC is trying to change. Look, the ANC is cleaning um, itself from the inside. The I, ANC I, I is think, going uh, to be... I think there's this ground that we've covered here before. I mean, th- maybe people aren't even going to go to the polls. We may see the lowest turnout yes. ever at yes. this at this election. And that's not going to do anybody any good. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I'm going to just make a quick comment to what you said now, response to it. You see... You're right. It's uh, this question of what alternative is there, you know. But remember, the hegemony of the NC has seriously declined. And at the polls in particular, you look at 2016 uh, and the 2019, very noticeable declines at the polls. So what is he telling you? These ordinary people that you think is just going to continue with this loyalty to the NC despite the results? No, I think now. I think now really, and and you have to capture this moment very clearly. It's not just this very deep socioeconomic crisis. It is that the corruption in the ANC is worse than ever before. It's so deep and and so extensive that it's gone down to the ordinary people. Ordinary people in the ANC now, in the townships, they're aware. They've become aware of this, the depth of the corruption. So you have a combination of sources of crises, the socioeconomic and the political. Now, you're right that, you know, the ANC is still dominant, but I'll tell you what is going to happen at this polls. The proportion of people who are disenchanted with the ANC and feel there's no alternative, but then they continue to vote for the ANC is going to decline. Mm -hmm. It's going to decline, maybe not very significantly, but it's going to drop. I think people are, are awakening, awakening and indeed it would have been better for this country's political but, future but, and his, uh, if 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 there were, you know, a significant other opposition. There's the EFF. I think, really, if there's one party that you need to watch very carefully, despite the racialism and sometimes racism coming from Malema and those sure. people, you know, is the EFF. I think the DA is going to experience a bit of a decline because of what's happened, my money and so on. There's one party, watch it, let me tell you. Is you, you the think, EFF you think and the, Malema. So you think the EFF will pick up those votes? I mean, Pums, you've said before. No, not necessarily take up those votes. It's too fluid and complex, the political session, to, to deduce that. But, but where there, I think where there's their, a, share, where there's a, their share of the vote will increase from 2016. All right. I think the, the EFF is going to do relatively better than other parties, proportionately speaking. Okay, but where there are losers, there have to be winners. So then proportionally they'll pick up just because their voters are much more motivated than perhaps ANC voters are. And there may be a similar argument made for, you know, for, for smaller parties. I mean, there might, be, there might be some others that pick up some votes. I want to I yes. just turn, I yes. want to quickly turn before we, we, we always bring it down to electoral politics and party politics. And I, I think that's really interesting. But I do want to just turn our attention for a moment to the party finances. So this is interesting. Uh, Jesse Duarte said in a comment this week that they, the ANC are experiencing cash flow problems. They, um, they've run out of money, basically. They're not paying their own people on time. Um, as a former trade unionist, this must really piss you off, Ibrahim, because you know what it's like as, as a worker to not be paid on time by your employer, even if they are political. And the ANC is blaming the fact that we now have an ability to look into party donations and party funding, uh, which is something which they supported in Parliament when it went through, I think it was a couple of years ago. Now, how, how sympathetic must we be to the ANC that suddenly their donors are not as keen to be associated with them publicly as they were 5, 10, 15 years ago? Um, this is obviously their just desserts. So maybe they should cut back on staff. Maybe they have to take seriously the fact that they cannot generate any income other than donations. And maybe the ANC can start to manage its finances a bit better. It's a wake-up call, don't you think? Cliff, it's a shocking shame. And just remember, this is not the first time. It's happened several times. That Fabi Porchiter, the general manager, had to intervene to calm 
things, even in Latulia House. I mean, it's a shocking shame. There are several former leading trade unionists, mm-hmm. Ramaphosa, Mantash, Mkhalema uh, Matlante, etc., who come from NUM into the ANC, who would have, one would have expected, especially if they lack sympathy, you know, and sentiment for the broader <laughs> black working class regarding basic services, my God, at least they would attend to the salary and pay the employees of the ANC. But it's a reflection of the magnitude of this multifaceted crisis. There is no excuse. I won't be surprised. Remember the ANC uh, had this Black Business Council a forum that they formed. They raised a lot of funding there. I will not be surprised, I'm saying this now in public, that some of the monies that the ANC derived from these sources were also siphoned off into some form or other corruption mm-hmm. that might have been happening in the ANC itself. You would, I mean, it's, it's inevitable perhaps even to argue that that might have happened. Sure. Because... I mean, how can you explain, I mean, the uh, the ruling party in the most developed, advanced industrial economic in the continent not having money to pay its <laughs> its, its own staff? Man, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's just an unspeakable shame as far as I'm concerned. This, and it's uh, a reflection right from Ramaphosa, right down the entire NEC, and certainly the top six. It's an indictment of the leadership of the ANC that they cannot pay their own staff. I'm not not surprised. Politicians never know how to make money. They only know how to spend money, and they only know how to spend money that they've taken from taxpayers. That's how it works in politics. So I'm not surprised at all. But, But it's not just that, Cliff. It's not just that. Do you ever see them missing their salaries? Hell no. Even during see, during see, COVID, thing you, know, you know, during COVID, Ibrahim, when most people were taking salary cuts, even in the private sector, especially in the private sector, perhaps, where people said, listen, in order to survive, we're all going yeah. to have to take a cut. Not so for the politicians. Not a chance. They all carried on being paid. That's the for, thing. Yeah. You'd expect them to spread the... The, 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 the dealing with this adverse situation and no. share it, you know, no. and have cuts, not to no. the ANC, not cabinet ministers. They made sure that they took care of themselves. Oh, this yeah. has been the defining feature of ANC rule from nine. You're going to look at, that's why I argued in the book, in inverse proportion, Cliff, to the greater impoverishment of the black and African masses, the ANC's elite grew. I mean, multimillionaires, people yeah. who grew, went from rags to riches either to political <laughs> office or when they left political office into business. Let, let's, I mean, this is what, this is what let's, the let's, most uh, stark contradiction of the ANC is to look at its own members. Of course. Look of course. how they live and look at the ANC's elite in the former white suburbia. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it tells you, you so him, much of what's happened. Pumi? Yeah. I, I have a question, you know, as a, as a trade minister yourself. Um, and you've just mentioned all the people that are in the ANC leadership that are also trade unionists and the relationship that the unions have with the ANC. We, we know this. It's a, you know, the, the yeah. tripartite alliance and all. How is it not then that the trade unions are just as complicit in the socioeconomic mess we find ourselves in now? These, these were their, what is the, their these, these were their bedfellows. You're putting it rather mildly. I've written at great length about this. Let me tell you, the ANC is in power partly because of the complicity, wittingly or unwittingly, of the alliance partners, the SECP and COSATU, without particularly COSATU. What is SECP? Please, man. You know, the SECP is hardly, you, you know, the SECP doesn't feature in any working class struggles. I couldn't even get them to deal with prepaid water meters to take a stance. Okay, even the Women's League of the ANC neglected uh-huh. those issues. But, you know, a very big question has to be posed about not just COSATU, the trade unions generally in South Africa. I was in the ANC, uh, the COSATU, uh, Witzel, Noem Well, since uh, the 1980s. Look at what has happened to the trade unions with the growth of their investment wings. It has become the source of massive corruption over the years in organized labor, in COSATU, in all the other trade union federations. Uh, nobody wants to talk about this. Now, how can you talk about working class support coming from COSATU and they've not even had serious research into what has happened? 
to the investment wings. Nobody wants and, to talk about it. And Ibrahim, I mean, you. let's also be fair. The, yes. the unions no longer represent the masses in this country anyway. They, empl- they, they re- represent employed people, mostly in state employment, um, who, who are just looking for increases every year. The vast majority of the people who we should be concerned about are people who are completely unemployed and are not represented by trade unions or by political parties at this point. All those young people out on the streets, all those young people in the townships with nothing to do, with no work, with no opportunities, with no, with all this potential and nobody to care for their interests. It's, it's the trade unions who are looking after a tiny percentage of employed people. It's the political parties who will do anything for a vote and then forget about the people who voted for them. And as you say, these elites who are operating at a level where they're just in it for themselves. No, but Chris, be careful about the, the how you analyze the uh, membership of Kosatu. No, there's a hierarchical thing there. You'll have the more skilled workers, the NUMSA, metal workers. You'll have textile. You have other workers at yes. different scales yes. uh, of earnings, but, but, but income. And so so this notion of a labor aristocracy in the trade union movement, I've had dealt with it for over two decades. It's very careful. I'm, I agree with you to a large extent. Mm. I'm saying don't think it's generally the case like that. And don't also forget <laughs> that organized labor consists of what percentage? 10, 20 percent. The bulk of the workers are still not organized into trade unions. This is one of the. But you but, are right. But that's my to whole. Some extent, that's my whole that, point that that the trade unions are caring more for the more skilled, but, but you know upper echelon I mean, workers. So is there time up in South Africa then the trade unions? There's no more space for and, for their and, role. And and Pumi, just I want to add to this. I would I would Ava that sad to the South African Democratic Teachers Union, is responsible for the non-skilled generation that we are dealing with at the moment because they've been in dereliction of duty from the very beginning, protecting bad teachers, making sure that they get paid no matter what. We know how, how awful the situation is in many township schools, and this is directly in the hands of SADTU. They have marshaled their resources and their forces and their votes in order to force this government to be soft, on bad teaching, we've allowed education standards to slip, and all of this is directly attributable to SAD too. So the unions have not helped in that situation. They've made it much, much worse. No, but be careful. I mean, I think you're right insofar as I'll tell you I deal with SAD too in the book. I mean, really, it has to be said, uh, you know, if it still needs to be said, if the public, the, just the print media alone hasn't reflected this fact. I mean, I think of all the Kosatu affiliates, you know. I mean, Satu has just been a huge, huge problem, you know, in so many respects. I think it's one of the worst performing unions in this country. I could talk in various ways about this thing. But again, again, I think what we do, Cliff, is to, Gareth, is to, is to, to approach the workers or unions too homogeneously. Mm. There, are, there are a lot of members of Satu who are themselves critical of the leadership and what has happened. Well, you know, we mustn't lump uh, members well, uh, uh, and, and their yearnings and wishes I, with what leadership is doing. It's very important that yes, you draw but, a distinction but, between leadership then, and the ordinary members of the unions. But then if, if, we, if we're not supposed to lump them together, why do they insist on being lumped into a union? Maybe Correct. there's no more space for that. Maybe unions have outlived their usefulness, and perhaps these unions, having not covered themselves in glory, and in Sadtu's case, having actually allowed members to be sleeping with students and other outrageous things, which they've covered <laughs> no, up and, no, prote- Gareth, and defended. Gareth, I, I mean, you need to be I very think, careful I, with what you're saying I'm, now. I'm, really. not, I'm sick because, of being uh, I'm not going to tiptoe don't around use unions. This opportunity, unions. Don't use this opportunity to lash out with a seemingly a bit of right-wing rhetoric here, honestly. It's, when you it's, start it's, beginning it's hardly... to question the existence of trade unions in the first place, then I think you, you're getting a bit too, going too far. You know, well, unions will always be necessary. Why is the employers having sure. the right to have their organizations <clears throat> that represent them and workers can't? You know, they're confronted with serious let's, problems, you know, and, let's, and, but, but you Ibrahim, can't say that this time is Ibrahim, come for, we please, don't need uh, unions you know, anymore. One of the things that we don't do on the show is say, be careful and watch what you say and don't say this. You could say whatever you like on the show, and I'm happy for you to defend the unions as much well, as you like. Their, their contribution 
has has been politically significant, but economically has been devastating for this country. There is not a single thing that the unions have done that has helped people to find employment outside of already having been parts of unions. We know that it's a minority of people who belong to unions in South Africa by population. We also know that they've done there. The unions have been in cahoots with big business and government from the get go. The only people who've suffered here are ordinary people ordinary workers and people who are not unionized and the ANC's not from the, the get go the ANC's the not ANC's, from the get go Cliff. the ANC's yes later on but not well, from the get go that's when they departed from their original mandate even in Kosatu well, yes that's how they started and who is really to, it's after 1994 that you see the most serious decline of the trade unions primarily Kosatu because of who, its alliance with the ruling and who's ANC. to blame for that's that that's what happened it's, it's nobody except the unions themselves that are to blame for that their own weakness as you say the well, leadership ultimately yes uh, but so the, the pressure gonna, from the ANC to turn the line is huge for, I'm, let I'm, me tell I'm you not, I can take you through the affiliates I'm not going to oh. feel sorry for them <laughs> But but I I think Ibrahim, I'm bringing this back to you. Yes. Have the unions in South Africa then outlived their usefulness? So if you say they have departed from their mandate, if you say that they are complicit with government in getting us to the socio-economic state dishevelment that we are in. Is it not then time for us to say, well, you know, they did the job that they needed to do when they needed to do the job, and they are no longer relevant for us. We need to find other ways. No, I don't think you can say Kusatu or any of the, well, let's say Kusatu because it's an alliance with ANC, is complicit in the deepening socioeconomic crisis that are, that's affecting its own members. Yes, you I can. don't think you can. It, the problem is Kusatu's yes, lost the open independence with which that they had in 1994. By their own That's design. It. And they, they were party to that. Corroded. Nobody the sense of independent and independent action in the interests of their own members and the wider working class has dwindled increasingly since 1994 under the concerted pressure of the ANC. The ANC puts enormous pressure on Kosatu to toe the line. So, got, so how come Kosatu are just... There's the, I mean, much what, to be said about that. Why didn't Kosatu stand up for themselves? I mean, you know, here That's you've got... If they don't stand up for themselves, how can they, they stand up for Then they don't deserve well, the They book. don't deserve Cliff, any Read the credit. book to see. I deal with Kosatu. I deal with these very questions you're raising sharply. How Kosatu has actually diverted and departed from the, but, the road they were on. But you, you sound in like, the 1990s. Ibrahim, with all due respect, you sound like one of those people at the funeral who, when someone's life has been nothing but pathetic, you stand up for them just because it's their funeral. I mean, Kasatu were party to all of this. We can't suddenly feel sorry for them and, and treat them as if they party were... Party to what? Party to what? Well, they were in the tripartite alliance. They went in hook, line, and sinker with the ANC. They decided that the ANC could marshal them around, and therefore they lost their agency. And if they lost their agency, I have nothing... I have no sympathy for that. That's their own fault. But don't forget, Kasatu is now fighting with even with Cyril. Kosatu is taking a stand now because the effects has become too uh, clear to its own workers and it's been pressurized to take a stand. Kosatu is at loggerheads with the ANC in several respects. Too late. Why do you ignore that? Too Why late. Why do you, you see? Too late. They, they doth protest too, too much. Too it's late. never too late. I when think, it comes to struggles, I think it's Pumi, never too late. I think Pumi has yeah, a very valid point. Maybe they've <laughs> outlived their usefulness. It's a good question. You are saying what conservative employees, and they happen to be largely white, they sing that tune. So what? It's time that the unions that not have a, back up. So is, know, is, it, is it not a valid really, point of view? I mean, are, we, are you racializing it just because you don't have a better argument against it? Maybe it's the correct no, point of view. Maybe it's been proven to be Hold right. On. Can I say this? Can I ask this? We have a country of 60 million citizens, of which... 25 million of our citizens are unemployed. 25 million of the employable population in this country is yes. unemployed. So yeah. who, who does COSATU represent then? Who, does, who do they represent if we have more unemployed people than employed people? It's a very small faction. Very, very, very small faction. They, do, they, they don't. So not only have they lost their agency, they don't even have a member base now. You know, their members are, are, are too few as, as opposed to the people on the outside. No, so, but let me tell you something. Be careful. Can you imagine what would have happened to the wages and earnings of organized workers? 
You know, you can't assess Kosatu on the basis of how many people are unemployed. You've got to assess it in relation to its own members' needs and interests. I'm saying to you that if Kosatu did not ex- exist and organized labor in the form of trainings, can you imagine how wages, for one thing, would have been depressed even much further down? Well, we wouldn't have had the bureaucracy. Unions are always... The, uh, we, we wouldn't have had You the... have to have unions. Even, I mean, you won't have... I mean, there are some very advanced, you know, I think white business people would argue against it. I mean, Bobby Gotzel, for example, never would you take issue with you immediately and say the right to organize workers and trade unions must continue to exist. So I'm afraid that, you know, uh, you're singing from the hymn of, and that's why I said uh, the big employers wish, honestly, that, uh, you know, they didn't have to deal with trade unionism. But don't forget what is happening in Kosatu now with the public sector wage thing. Just look at the strong stand they're taking because they're saying, you say you can't afford the third year of this uh, agreement, wage agreement. But what uh, what sacrifices have you made? Talking about the cabinet, the earnings, and, yeah, but, I mean, right. the ANC leadership. I, I mean, this is a salutary stand that COSATU has taken. And many actually, they're very, in fact, I think sometimes they're grateful that they supported Cyril. In 2019, honestly, I, I feel that, and I, well, I mean, I'm still I'm connected terribly to sorry. unions. I get bad things, things coming through. I'm so sorry for they them. Sometimes feel bad things they sometimes they might not have been other alternatives, but I think sometimes they're very unhappy with their decision to to, to support Cyril for his election. You know, you know and, I, and to I, see what's happening. I agree. I hope they're disappointed. And bad things happen because you deserve them. They deserve this. This is what they're getting. You know what South Africa doesn't deserve is the huge public sector wage bill, which the unions have been fighting for for years without us getting anything more out of those people, with an expanding right. bureaucracy, with things we cannot afford anymore, Ibrahim. There, there is a reality. But I think, There's a reality I that starts to dawn. I don't know what dawn. you're talking about because do you know what COVID has done? You have no idea what you're going to do research, my friend. Do you know what COVID, the destructive impact of COVID even on organized labor and their earnings in the in the midst of soaring price rises, etc. So that is partly why the strong stand uh, of the in terms of the public sector dispute, uh, pay dispute, you are misreading the seri- situation seriously. And what you're doing is to take your eyes away from the devastating impact of COVID on the lives of workers generally, including organized workers. I think I mean, though, the, you the, think they just uh, they just fighting for this uh, public sector wage thing because for the hell of it. It's Ibrahim, unfortunately, it has had a devastating impact, uh, Gareth, which you ignoring. Except Ibrahim, for the South African, for for the South African like myself, who public sector workers, so Kozatu stand and their fight, unfortunately, only looks to me who is not receiving delivery of services from their members, from their members, because they are that protected by this hegemony you speak about. They get their salary every month. We don't get service. We don't get service from the police services because the union can protect them. If they don't give us service, the union can protect them. We don't get service from our healthcare workers because the union can protect them. We get no service from the teachers because the union can protect them. And now when they take this tough stance, when they take this tough stance about getting more money from a, from a corrupt, friend of theirs which is the ANC one but two from us actually they don't give us a service but they want more money from us money we do not have so we're asking ourselves why do we have to pay these people when they don't give us the service but who are you talking about we the, I mean, the, tax pa- the taxpayer I, mean, I can't go to a public hospital I can't go to the police station the and taxpayer. get the, in the end, that but is the only person. these bargain, bargained uh, increases. These were official. That's why it's, there's a good argument. And that's, <laughs> there's a good argument why it was unlawful not to implement that third tier of the agreement. There's a lot to be said about that. You forget that. How can you reach an agreement in a statutory body and then say, no, you don't have the money, while, while, while the ANC leadership is caught up in so many acts of corruption, stealing of the fiscus, etc. I mean, it's not a credible argument in the light of the wanton corruption of the ANC itself. Well, then you are, then you're, I mean, you're, you're making agreements. You have in, made you're... a valid point. Let me tell you what's an important point you've made. 
And I've seen this myself. I've seen it in public hospitals. I've seen it with the teachers, schools. There is no doubt, and I'm not afraid to say it now in public. The public sector unions have not conducted themselves and covered themselves in glory whatsoever. The public sector unions, I must emphasize public sector unions, and I think it's their alliance with the ANC, thinking that it provides them with a protective cover it has for whatever they want to do i mean how they've gone it's true how they've conducted themselves during strikes things are destroyed whatever you want to do is allowed i think it's partly to do no it is i mean it is partly to do because they're in alliance with the anc the anc will defend them they can do what they, they have abused their membership at times and especially during strikes i mean you know the idea of strikes is to win public support the idea of a strike, especially public sector strikes, go and study around uh, the world, what you must win public support and sympathy for you. You do not do it by thrashing the streets and doing what a lot of the public sector unions. I mean, I've looked at the attitude of nurses in public hospitals. It's despicable. So how nurses, black so, nurses treat black patients and people. I've seen it when my mother so, was even in the hospital. I've seen it and I do. I condemn it in the strongest terms. Let me tell you, and there's no doubt there's a political dynamic to it. So and then, that is why. Then it sounds They're like in alliance with the ruling ANC to hell with the rest. They'll do what they want. I, to. I, I'm so glad you said that. It just it means that Pumi and I win that argument. I'm happy about no, that. No, but thank, I'm not thank saying you, Ibrahim. it please you. I'm saying it because that is <laughs> no. It's that is true, my analysis. I agree with you. I don't disagree with anything you've said. You're giving us life this morning. I know. And, and I, I just, <laughs> no. there is some serious, you know, I can see how, uh, and Ibrahim, I want you to just for a, mo- a moment, because you are a, you're a, you're a, a, a historian, you're a commentator, you're a, you're a trade unionist, you're all of these things, but I, I can see it's an emotional thing for you because you're looking at these things that you help build and you're seeing them falling apart and you're seeing them that they, they're, they're meaning less and less to the people they're meant to mean the most to. And it must be very frustrating to you to see how these things have been manipulated over the last couple of years and how a very smart group of people have completely taken over. They've captured those those mechanisms which were meant to have been for everybody and have now been funneled into their own pockets. It must be extremely frustrating for you. Gareth, let me give you one example now. And I've written at great length in the, about this labor bulletin, newspapers, everything. It's a serious problem. Maybe you know what is needed is a focus, a, a big focus of discourse and discussion on it. The primary reason, and I've done my homework on this thing, and I would argue it with any of the trade union leaders. The biggest reason for what has happened, the growing corruption in the trade union movement itself, forget about the ANC and BE, all that. It must be said that the growth of the investment wings of the trade unions, I mean, it was meant to serve the interests and needs of its members. It became a source of wanton corruption. People grew rich. These investment wings were started from the funds of workers. That's how they started. And look what happened. It became the source of massive corruption. And I want to say publicly, no trade union, including Kosatu, has really, I've raised this, I don't want to mention people's names here. No one has conducted serious and systematic research and investigation into the trade union arms. Uh, investment wings of trade unions because there's a lot of unhappy, unsettling, shocking oh, yeah. things to be found. And there's some people. And until and- you do that, and you'll find that the trade union leadership will not be in favor. I've raised this many times of that kind of investigation well, and research because I think we want to talk about white monopoly capital and rest of it. Sure. But when it comes to these things, we want to close our eyes. It is a big problem in the labor movement well, that has not been dealt with, certainly not comprehensively, or even begun to have a serious debate about it. But Ibrahim, without naming names, let's just talk for a minute about the kinds of, 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 of people who have made themselves extremely wealthy using trade union investment money. 
And those people have, oh, have, have found themselves on the boards of many of the companies that the unions always used to despise and were in, at loggerheads with. And to Obviously. me, to me, if there's ever a yes. group, if there's ever been a group of people you could call sellouts in this country, it's got to be those people who took the money. Uh, and well, you know, I'm not going to argue against it. Let me tell you something. And they know these very people. I don't want to name them. I've worked with all of them. All of them right to the top, right to the Cyril, Marcel Golding, Johnny Copeland, everybody. And it must be said, otherwise you're lying to the public Mm -hmm. and the people of this country. Nowhere in Africa, if not in the world, did people go from virtual rags to riches, let me tell you. I know all these people, where they were before, under apartheid, and became, no, in Africa, you'll forget about it, you'll never find a precedent where trade unionists went from that rags to riches like they did in South Africa. Ramaphosa, Marcel Golding, Johnny Cochran, so many people. And look at what happened. The effect was to create a cosmic gulf between the membership of those very unions where the investment wings were created. And you look at what elite it created, the corruption, self-enrichment, it is the biggest contra- contrast and contradiction, I believe, ever in the history of the labor movement of South Africa. Never before. It's true. It's, it is explosive. It is sick, man. You know, you can't believe it. And they conduct their lives. They're happy with where they're living, what they're earning, what they're doing. And yesterday, they were leading trade unionists, sacrificing for the workers and doing everything mm-hmm. else. And look what has happened in post-apartheid South Africa through the investment. It was created, even in Noom by Motland in there, but the, the, what they wanted to do with it is not what it ended up with. Okay, they so did they not want it to end up with that, you see. But I don't yes. believe they took the necessary guarantees. All right. No, let me uh, make this point. They it, never it, did it, what was necessary, no, to prevent the, the abuse of funds and the corruption that happened in the investment uh, uh, companies. That's what they never did. So you we, see, we, and then it, it was too late when they woke up to what was happening. All right, I, I want to hear what so what's next. So then, so 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 then, my my question is: the reason we study history, the reason we look back, is so that we don't repeat those mistakes. So what then? What does the future then look like? Where where do where do they go to from here? No, so they the won't have the investigations. The they won't have no no the future. The, no, look, let's what hear. About, let's hear. I want to hear what, what you, I'm what, about what to you say, say. What you say about the future of the worker? Because I mean, those are the people you've been closest to, Ibrahim. Forget about the unions. They've they've uh, they've destroyed themselves, and they will continue to lose public support, and they'll continue to lose membership. But what do you think will happen for the no, worker? What do you think the worker has as an no, option? Let, let me answer your question in this way. Firstly, it's a false distinction to make between the worker and trade unions. I mean, you know, it's too shallow, same. but I don't want to go into yeah, that. But right. let me tell you, we on the eve of a terrible thing that's going to come down. I've written also about it, the unions to reflect how backward they've become, even on burning issues of the day, you take the fourth industrial revolution. It has not hit our shores yet. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, Vavi likes to talk of a jobless bloodbath. It is going to be a Sunday picnic compared to what lies ahead when the fourth industrial revolution really rolls over this country. It's imminent. In fact, I think it's been held back because of COVID technologically. The unions have not even placed it on the agenda with management to seriously discuss how they are bound to be affected by the fourth industrial revolution. It's going to affect everything and not just your manual workers. The bulk, in fact, of the threat of the fourth industrial revolution is not there. It's white collar workers. Mm-hmm. It's the corporate sector. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, you know, there are some unions that organize there. They've not placed it seriously on the table with management. No one discusses the fourth industrial revolution. Though when I raise it sharply in the papers, no one even responds to it. You know, the lethargy of the trade union movement leadership is one of the most striking and shocking things in South Africa. The best leader, leader, union leadership was when Cyril, myself, and others, myself, Golding, in the 1980s, the most committed, disciplined, believe me, things just changed after 1994. You don't have that caliber of trade union leadership, of sacrifice, etc., of the 1990s. Today, they're more concerned with what they earn and increasingly shocking salaries. I earn 550. 
a month. When I left the union in 1987, All right. 850 rand I earned a month. Can you try but, to but, understand? But, but this... Look at what the people earn today. It's part of the problem. But it's Ibrahim. part of the Ibrahim. problem. All I hear, oh, 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 so what I hear from you is precisely what we see. So we are in violent agreement because of the fourth industrial revolution, because of their lethargy and because of their, I suppose more than anything, they, they're so uh, used to being in a position of power. They are dying. They are dying. We are in violent agreement about this. There is going to be, because with the fourth industrial revolution, it happens the world over, right? Workers' wages decrease. And when workers' wages decrease, they are unwilling to share that with the union. They are unwilling to pay their union subscriptions. Less people are out there working. Less membership in the unions also means that they have less leverage and less power with the government. So they will yep. not be able to say to, <laughs> to the government, we bring to the table this number of voters mm-hmm. on your side, so you have to take us seriously. They are dying. No, let me tell you, uh, I, 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 I'm really, I'm very worried what lies ahead. You know, you, you, you just talking about decline of erosion of wages as a result of the fourth. Do you know what is it? Have you studied the fourth? You're going to have massive chunks of work, traditional work categories like accountants. Wiped gone. out. Wiped out. A whole lot of areas of work you will not find. So the erosion of wages is the big structural thing of how work is organized and production. Oh, robotics, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. What? The unions are not ready for it. I don't even think they've had serious discussions amongst themselves. I said it in articles in Business Day and other newspapers. Nobody even responds. That's the very interesting thing, you know. Letters to the editors. No, we differ with you. Well, nothing. No one says <laughs> anything. Huh? I mean... Um, Nobody says anything. Ibrahim, can, can I ask oh. you quickly? Because, <laughs> because you are, you are one of a, a dying breed of true believers. And, and you mentioned now what the unions were like back in 94. I don't mean this in any patronizing way. I promise you that there are just very few people who think and talk like you left because many of them have become those billionaires that we were talking about earlier and who've abandoned their principles. Who are the other true believers? Who are the people who you feel are still carrying that flag? Because there are some. Uh, there are people who have not sold out. There are people who, who, who believe in the workers' rights, who believe in the, the establishment of unions, who believe in membership of those unions and that the leaders of those unions ought to look out for the workers. But there are very few of them. So you probably know them and they're probably your friends. No, it's the ordinary workers. It's the most ordinary people. That's the answer. And it's an important question. Mm. It's the most ordinary workers and people with little education in the townships who struggle daily. I mean, whose leadership has betrayed them, whether it's the ANC or the trade unions, and there's there's still the stirrings, the wish, the aspirations for a change of life, increasing living standards, so legitimate. I mean, since 1652, do you know that it's the first time in 1994 that we had a non-racial democracy, we could go and vote? I mean, except for a period in the Western Cape where, you know, you had the ballot there, the black people, it ended 1936. But I mean, there is no country, arguably, where race and racism was so entrenched like in South Africa. No country where the exploitation was so vicious. So what happened in 1994? I mean, can you blame every worker, every person who said, ah, the ANC coming to power, we supported them so no. many years. No. Finally, our lives are going to change. Today, go with me. You've seen it in the town. Go and see. See what is happening mm. in the town. It is in, it, you can't believe it. It is an absolute shocking, unmitigated shame and a reflection. The ANC will hate me for this, and they'll hate me for the piece in the business day yesterday, and the book, I know it. Mm-hmm. But there are some big people <laughs> there who will appreciate. Kalema McClanty is one of them. Yeah. He'll tell you, you are right there. You're right there. Okay, we differ here. That's a different, he's a very different man. But the bulk of the ANC leadership would hate you. They don't want you to talk about these things, you see. They want it suppressed. But in answer to your question, it's the ordinary working people. It's the masses, so-called. And uh, increasingly, let me be honest with you, there's a gulf that's opening up Mm. between the former leadership of trade unions 
and other and other civil society structures. Don't yeah. think it's just the trade unions. There are things happening, money, commercialization, etc., all over across civil society, but primarily the trade unions and through the investment wings. But a big difference is opening up for long, just like alongside the trade, the ANC membership and its leaders, the trade union membership and its and its followers, its members. I'm, it's big. I'm, I'm, and it's becoming increasingly greater. In fact, it's a pre- a great feature of the of the crisis, but not sufficiently addressed and analyzed. Is the gulf that's opened up between the ANC leadership and its members and supporters in the township, the ordinary members of trade unions and their leadership? Go and look at how know, these people live, Ibrahim, what they've is, done um, with the investment wings to enrich themselves, yeah. while their members never really enjoyed what the investment beings were originally founded to do. Absolutely. I, I just want to, I want to close it off because we're out of time, but um, I, this has been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time coming to have this discussion about the unions, to have a discussion about your book, which but I... Please, Gareth, don't exploit my views and arguments for your own agendas, please. How would I, <laughs> how would I do that? I, I don't know how to do that. I'm not a politician. I'm not looking for votes. Uh, Ibrahim, this is a conversation I've been wanting to have for a long time. Don't, don't worry. You're not in the, you, you're not in the, in the, in, in the communist party now. You're not in I the mean, enemy camp. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a, an insurgent. I promise. Uh, this is just a, a really interesting conversation. If you want to read more, there's Ibrahim's book. It is called The Great Pretenders, Race and Class Under ANC Rule. And you can find out more about his points of view there and his, um, his, his, essentially his telling of the story of just exactly the stuff we've started to indicate has happened in the unions this morning. But Ibrahim, don't worry, no exploitation. As far as I know, I have not, um, I have not commanded any of your labor this morning except to have some of your thoughts. And I think that's shared by all but of our listeners. One last thing, uh, Gareth. <laughs> it's not just unions. You'll be missing the picture of South Africa and what has happened. No, no. In fact, there are other areas that are far worse than the trade unions. So you see, it's a question of what you've studied and focused on. Let me give you. Well, that's why I brought you because this is far something you. Worse than, this far is something... worse than the trade union picture and what's happened is the townships. Okay. Gareth, wake but, up! But Ibrahim, don't see what's happening Ibrahim, to water sanitation, Ibrahim, sewage. I have to. I that have, is the I, big. Biggest strategy of this country, even more than the trade union I'm, I'm, problems. I'm delighted that you're expanding this, but your, your, your sphere of influence and your particular expertise have been helpful to us in understanding something of okay. the unions this morning. Right. So I don't expect you to answer all questions of, for all time. This was useful for the purposes that, uh, that, that your book is useful, and I, I recommend it thoroughly to anyone who's, who's interested in, in knowing more. Uh, I appreciate your, your uh, being on the show this, this morning, and thank you very much. Pumi, always good to have you on. We will continue this conversation next week on The Burning Platform. Thank you so much, Ibrahim. Thank you, Pumi, and thank you most of all to you for joining us this morning. It is brought to you as it is every week by Nando's, and we will have more for you in the next Burning Platform. Have an awesome day today, and, uh, you know, a uh, luta continua, I suppose. Cliffcentral.com